There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone. A slightly late game reaction pod today. That's because I'm actually currently in Portugal. I'm in a place called Portimao. My view at the moment is from a hotel balcony looking over a very foggy, misty harbour. It's a beautiful place, actually. It's a beautiful place in the Algarve. I'm here for my father-in-law's... I was about to say my stepfather. My stepfather. That's <laughs> a bit weird. My father-in-law's 60th birthday. Um, so yeah, over here some of the family to celebrate that. Um, and didn't actually watch the game at all yesterday. I've watched the highlights, but... I can't in earnest do a uh, sort of reaction to the game or, well, I can do a reaction to the game because that's exactly what I'm doing here as I sit here with a literal dictaphone like Alan Partridge. Um, but yeah, not even I am narcissistic enough to try and <laughs> pretend that I can talk about yesterday's game without having actually watched it and only watched Sky Sports YouTube highlights. Um but I guess given that it is the halfway break in the season now, it provides an ample chance to reflect on what we've seen so far and what we can potentially expect from Tottenham Hotspur in the in the coming weeks after the World Cup. Um, I mean, most of all, like the reflection from yesterday. So just to put you into the the zone of what was going on yesterday... Thankfully, my father-in-law is actually a Spurs fan as well, um, but the game wasn't televised, so we couldn't watch it on a sports bar or anything, and I couldn't get a stream because we were down near the beach, uh, and so we just sat there having a few beers, and he was just basically getting me to refresh the game. Obviously, we went 1-0 down, and I was losing my ass already, and he was just like, we're going to win. Don't worry, we're going to win. And I was like, yeah, yeah, all right. I think he... I, the thing is, he's very stoic. He's always... Uh, he always thinks that Spurs are going to win. And I don't think he has any time for my... <laughs> for my arse flapping when uh, when we go a few goals down. He was actually... He predicted all along, when, even when we were 1-0 down, he said well, Spurs are going to score five goals today. Didn't quite get there. Got four. But it came as no surprise to him when we did end up winning... But basically the game was, was me refreshing Google and Twitter for about 90 minutes and sitting and having a beer and a chat with uh, the rest of the family and everything. But me on the side just madly doing that. It felt like, really, that game was... It seems to me a, a pretty much a, a clear kind of encapsulation of what most of this season has been the very best and worst of Spurs. Um, thankfully, we came out on top, and that seems to be down to, ultimately, the quality that we have at our disposal. 
we can shoot ourselves in the foot as much as we want to but when the chips are down kid we uh we still manage to come through right and that's kind of what's you can't for all the complaints about the defense or the not having spent money in the right places notably on wing backs for the complaints about Conte's playing style or you know, second half Tottenham Hotspur all that type of shit we're still sitting fourth in the table we're still in the Champions League places there's still a bit of space between us and the chasing pack we're doing alright you know um, I think the main the main thing that bothers me is our lack of show against the other top six teams do we even include Newcastle in that? Should we say the top six outside of Tottenham? Probably. I think we probably have to now. They're sitting third in the table and, you know, they're good. We can talk about... I'm not hiding from the why they're good or anything like that, but we just have to talk objectively about the fact that they are probably a decent team now. As Ben Haynes said, we have to revise timelines on them and how soon or not it will be that they'll be a success... Oh, do you know what? Okay, here we go. Here we go. First, first big prediction. First big mid-season prediction. They won't finish in the top four this year. I don't think they'll finish in the top four this year. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no. I wouldn't be surprised if I did. I'm going to say that now. I don't think it will be. I don't think there's room to being like, oh, you said they weren't going to finish in the top four if they don't, because <clears throat> they just they very well could, but. Liverpool are on the up again now. I do think we'll sign some players in January. I do think we will. Um, I'm not so sure about Chelsea. I don't know how they'll do. I think United will continue to improve as well. I just think Newcastle's squad isn't quite there yet. I don't think they've got enough depth. Um, they will in time because they'll keep spending money. But that's a, that's another story for another day. We're not here to talk about Newcastle. Spurs are obviously objectively a good team. We are all right. Antonio Conte does seemingly have has seemingly instilled some sort of fight, some sort of spirit into the team. I think that's the main thing, right? I think whatever we can talk about his. I'm not fully on board with the whole automations, blah, 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 stuff. I would say the main thing that Antonio Conte, in my opinion, has put back into this team that we haven't seen since Pete Pochettino is a fight, is a kind of never-say-die attitude that did disappear under Mourinho and definitely disappeared under bloody Nuno Espirito Santo. I don't think it even existed. Anything close to that existed under him. Um... But under Conte, we do have that back again. We do probably have players playing above their level, I think. It's hard to say what somebody like Eric Dyer, for example's level is, but he has been pretty immaculate for the majority of Antonio Conte's tenure. Maybe, maybe his actual ability has started to catch up with him now. You know, maybe there's only so far belief and desire can get you. Maybe the first the first kind of leg of this Antonio Conte journey was that um, getting top four at the end of last year having players <coughs> Jesus Christ got a bit Barry White there sorry 
was having players play way above their kind of level to achieve something that we maybe shouldn't have done <clears throat> but now we've got our sights set on kind of the next level right we've got our sights set on competing for the title people can laugh all they want and this is the thing right you know this was part of my complaint with the league cup stuff the other day is that I, I just think we're in a place now where let's put it this way right if we'd have hired Graham Potter let's say this now after Nuno Spirito Santo, we hired Graham Potter. We didn't finish top four last year. Harry Kane left in summer. He didn't believe in kind of the project anymore. Or not believe in the project. He just was like, look, you brought in someone like Potter. This is a five, six year process again. Come on, lads. I'm at the end of my career now. I, I want to go and win something. Whatever. Kane goes, maybe Son signs a new contract. He becomes like our main man. But we definitely probably don't bring in players like even Perisic blah 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 we're looking at kind of building up again building a kind of team around young players starting players like Spence immediately you know the drill right you know what I'm getting at we're talking about a long term project that's when I look at something like the League Cup I think we're not in the Champions League we're not aiming at getting into the top four this year That that's the cherry on top of it all is getting into the top four potentially in this imagined Graham Potter as our manager scenario what we are doing now is building the foundations of something that hopefully three, four years down the line, we go again, as the saying goes. But we've not done that. Under Antonio Conte, you bring in a manager like Conte and you start spending the sort of money... Oh, there's some people out there talking on the... I don't know what they're talking about. They're probably saying, like, good morning, mate. How are you doing? Like I say, out on a harbour. Some Portuguese men just chatting there. Maybe you can't even hear them on this microphone. I don't really know how much this microphone does pick up other sounds and stuff. But anyway, you bring in a manager like Antonio Conte and what you are saying with that, you're making a statement as in, we want to challenge for the league title. We do, you know. We want to challenge in the Champions League, even though his record in Europe isn't great. We want to challenge in the Champions League, at least be in the conversation and we want to challenge for the Premier League title you don't bring in Antonio Conte to say we ain't going to win anything the League Cup's our best hope of success you're not so let's just drop that one for now right I can't really remember where my point was going with this I'm going to be brutally honest um, I think the main thing really is that under Antonio Conte we do have this spirit. We do have this belief. That's kind of phase one of it, right? And it is tough. You can't go and spend like three, four hundred million pounds every single transfer window because we're just not that sort of club. We aren't. I do think we're going to spend a bit of money in January though because he needs to feel like he is being backed. And I don't it's not even just about I, I see the thing is I'm not completely beholden to Antonio Conte you know this oh I'm hard but I think it is a it's a two way thing right I think as much as there is this call to back him give him whatever he wants there are times when maybe he does need to give the club a bit more and you know when the passing of sort of you know the unfortunate passing of Ventroni happened 
we did see a quiet human side to him and we did see a side of him that did show a bit of affection for the club you know he said he was proud to be part of the club and proud to be in charge of those players and everything like that and I do think he means that I don't think he is for all his faults I don't think he is the sort of bloke that says that type of thing for a sentimental reason you know it's a moment when maybe he just let his fucking guard down a bit and was just like look you know at a time like this it's important to be real and this is the reality of the situation that ultimately I'm happy to be here and I'm proud of these players and it is important to keep that in mind you know and it is important to keep in mind I guess in this sort of latter part of the season when the results have started to get a bit shaky what the players and what he has been through personally you know I do need to keep reminding myself of that um, I think many of us do really in, in brutal truth he has just spoken about it again recently I think it was with Dan Kilpatrick or maybe it was with Alistair Gold I can't remember one of the two of the lads um, the press lads who uh, who sort of managed to it sounds fucking devious doesn't it so managed to coax it out of him who spoke to him about it in one of the press conferences sort of coming towards the Leeds game they're speaking to him about Ventroni and everything like that and he was quite candid about it and talking about the effect it had on him and on the players and you know you'd be naive to think that there was there was no impact there I don't know if you saw Eric Dyer. it was quite touching really Eric Dyer sent a like a signed shirt and a note to Ventroni's family just basically being like it was I think it was a signed England shirt just basically being like you know your father I think he sent it to his kids your father made this happen for me and I'll never forget him all that type of thing and I think it's Ventrone's son posted something on Instagram picture of the shirt just being like Eric Dyer's a good man kind of thing and uh, you know like what I'm saying about Conte there about us not forgetting kind of what they've gone through I think you know as much as we sort of like to dig out most of our players Eric Dyer's one of them I did it myself yesterday with Dav Sanchez and I did that literally just because I was like I was following the game sort of on Twitter and Google and I saw him just kind of flail a leg out for Rodrigo's well for Leeds' third goal I think Rodrigo's second goal and I, I don't know if he beers so I was just like Miles Davinson Sanchez still playing for us moaning about it kind of thing and, <laughs> and much people were replying to me being like mate what game are you watching he's been one of the best players since he's come on simple truth I was not watching any game lads um, and I did I, I was straight up with that I was straight up with that um, don't try and pretend but uh, you know players are all human Eric Dyer's a good bloke I think with him a lot of people talk about it like it's a drastic need to get him out straight away he's a good squad player I do think we probably need to replace him with better quality but I do think he's a good squad player um, and I think we should always keep him back because he's a good bloke he's a good bloke good player um, he should make spotless for Android though I don't really think he has much excuse like if he wants his app to grow right it seems to be that it, it is a real passion project of his he is keen to get it growing if he does want it to go, why hasn't he got a fucking Android version yet? Let me just double check. Let me double. Let me fact check this now. Last time I looked, Spotless didn't have it. But you know, I've got mates who develop apps. Well, I'm cool. Um, <laughs> who develop apps with no money? He's a fucking 
Premier League footballer, and unless he's managed to, unless he works with some sort of developer who's like, right, he's a millionaire, so I'm just gonna fucking charge him quadruple. And I know what you nerds are like, because like I say, I've got mates that. Oh, hang on, I'm a liar. There is a spotless Android edition now. I do apologise, Eric. Dyer. I'm literally downloading it now. Um, <clears throat> Obrigado. I know he uh, speaks Portuguese, and I'm sure he'll be listening to this. So, uh, obrigado, Eric. Spotless. Uh, I'm on it now. So that's derailed me a bit there, but still. Eric Dyer, spotless, good bloke, squad player. Bang. What do we need in January? What is the pressing thing in January? I also, oh, by the way, I also heard of uh, Emerson Royale that he was getting a lot of like shit. And you could start to hear he was getting shit in the in the previous game. I think it was Newcastle, was it? He was starting to get quite a lot of like ironic shit and stuff. Booing, booing the kind of the the team and stuff. It's always going to be kind of one of those points of contention. Um, FBL Bo is a lad who often talks to me, interacts with the pod and everything like that. FPL Bo, shout out to you, lad. Um, said that, that yeah, he was he pointed out he was like, look, you know you and Ricky and all that, you all moan about the booing and stuff at games, but you forget that booing is what brought us Conte. It's what got rid of uh, Nuno Espirito Santo. And there probably is something in that, that kind of, that form of like direct action, shall we say, from fans. It is a time when fans do feel increasingly, I think you're right, this is the most important thing. And to be fair, this is other fans talking of other fans. So it's not like, it's not anybody punching down. It's not the sort of establishment. I think when Conte sort of talks about the fan behaviour, whatever, everyone's allowed an opinion. My point is, fans feel increasingly detached from the game. It's not like the old days when people, and you know, I'm not that old. I remember this type of shit either. But people always, you know, people sort of talk fondly about, you know, oh, the double team, they'd be in the fucking corner pin after a game, having a beer with some of the fans and all this sort of stuff. And generally speaking, I do, I reckon a lot of this stuff is kind of bleary-eyed nostalgia. I would imagine this is one of those things that happened a handful of times every now and again. And even back then it was, not oh, fucking hell, did you see, you know, fucking Danny Blancheflower came out and had half a stout with the, some of the fucking fans after we won that fifth round FA Cup game. Do you know what I mean? I don't think it was like every fucking week. It was like, whoa, fucking hell, that was a bit airy, lads. And the whole fucking squad all piling with the players. Whoa, what are you having, Jimmy? Yeah, go on in. I'll have a fucking... Do you know what I mean? No. It, come on. It wasn't like that, was it? I don't think it's ever been. Like, they were still fucking sportsmen even back then. Yeah, I know they had a fag and a beer and everything like that. It's a different type, but they still, you know, I don't... Correct me if I'm wrong, you know? But, like, I, I don't think, like, this image we have of, like the players and the fans being like fucking best mates it wasn't quite the same you know they're still in fucking sports cars even back then they were still driving out in fucking a lot of them were and probably in fucking Aston Martins and stuff maybe not maybe it wasn't quite that no I still I'm pretty sure I've seen a fucking picture of Jimmy Greaves of a fucking old Aston Martin or something like that back in the day I'm sure I have or a Jaguar or something I reckon there were still relatively richer blokes. Not quite the same as it is now, but you would imagine that the salaries back then were sort of equal to a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. A well-paid profession. But fans nowadays do feel increasingly detached from the game, right? 
Which is funny because so many of these players are on social media. You've got players like, you know, in my line of work, I, I work very close. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I used to be social media. I'm always keeping an eye on players' socials and all this sort of stuff. Players like James Madison, you know, he's always posting on TikTok. You're... The, the problem is, right, you've got a lot of agencies and stuff now that are in control of a lot of players' social channels. Somebody like Harry Kane, I would guess, when I when you look at probably nine out of ten of his tweets, are, is a committee of people, is a social media agency writing stuff that he is having the final sign-off on. You know, And I'm not just digging out Harry Kane, I'm talking about any sort of top, top-level public eye kind of player like he is. Because PR's everything, right? They can't afford to take the risk of having some fucking male online journalist wanting something for the sidebar of shame. Harry Kane has said blah, or something like that. But every now and again, you do get those windows of, you know, him saying something, which, you know, for example, after um, Kate had their latest child, he said something congratulating her and... It wound up a lot of people, you know. I'm not wading into that debate at all. I'm just saying, and that's probably why a lot of players in his position probably don't speak in that way, in that direct way. But I think players kind of on the outside a bit, they do get involved. They do try and sort of talk and engage with fans. But is it real engagement or is it still them doing their own PR? I don't know. It's a highly detached world nowadays, I think, in many ways. It's a, it's a world that's as connected as it's ever been, but at the same time feels quite cold and quite alien in many ways it's strange it's strange it's it's a uh, it's something i think that we all wrestle with and something that we're all trying to navigate at the moment and things like booing it's i guess it's these moments that we feel like we have that one shred of power that we can have our voice be heard whether it's booing whether it's sitting on a balcony in portamao with a c- coffee that's going cold looking out onto a Misty Harbour, talking about a game that you haven't watched. We all just want our voices to be heard, right? But maybe, in this long, roundabout, rambling way, maybe personally targeting a man, a young man as well, as Billy T pointed out to me, a few months older than Jed Spence man in Emerson Royale just give him a bit of a break lads you know 
if any of you, if anybody has ever if you've had to do it for work or just do it in any way if you ever had to do any sort of even public speaking if you even have to sit in a do you know what the funny thing is right you hear me do this podcast and people often are like you know you're you're probably really confident you're like one of these people that can go out and do all that type I'm not really that's the funny thing in these sort of in those sort of social situations and things like that it probably won't be a massive surprise to a lot of you actually um but I do I'm not I'm not the best at it I fucking shit myself having to do any any sort of like public speaking or anything like that I could be a fucking loudmouth on the internet and in a podcast like this when nobody's challenging me but in no sort of public I'm not I'm not the best at it at all I'm really not it's fucking hard it's fucking nerve-wracking and I can only imagine what it is like playing football I do think I'm not just going to throw out stuff I've said previously I do think a lot of these players are wired quite differently and I do think probably a lot of footballers have probably quite problematic opinions about a lot of us about fans they probably do see a lot of them probably do see us as the great unwashed that they don't really care about our opinions you've seen it we're talking about kind of players and their interactions with players with fans remember Jolien Lescott not too long ago when he was getting all those pelters on Twitter he posted a picture of his cars just being he said something shitty like I'll be driving you know whatever you think about my appearances I'll be driving these what are you driving kind of thing it was that's not verbatim but that was something to that effect that he said that he uh, you know he swiftly deleted and blamed on being hacked as is standard for footballers um so I do think, yeah, maybe a lot of footballers do have that kind of great unwashed feeling about a lot of fans. And I do think they are wired a bit differently. I do think they are prepared. I do think they are coached and taught to understand that this is what can happen. You know, the crowd can turn on you. Have a few good games, though, and then they're suddenly back on your side again. Fine. I get that. Bit of jeering here and there, but still actually seemingly targeting a player... From what I've seen anyway, Spooky was talking about it. It seemed to be a kind of prolonged campaign of like jeering him, ironically cheering him, pretty much every single thing he did. It's kind of shitty, right? And it's easy for me to say as somebody that hasn't gone to many games this year that to police sort of the action of people in the stadium. But I just think this is like one of those things you reach out on a fucking human level, really. And you just kind of say, like, lads, come on, like, just get behind the team, you know. Um, and this is something I remind myself of. I'm not fucking being pious here. I'm not acting above it. I fucking bitch about players, especially after I've had a couple of jars or something, or bitch about players on Twitter and stuff. It creates energy. It creates certain feelings towards people. And I think we've all just got to try and be a bit better than that, don't we? Really. Oh. Oh, how very 2022 of you, Jack. Fucking hell. I'm going to start... Do you know what I'm going to start doing now? I'm going to start doing fucking pastel-coloured Instagram tile posts. Live, love, laugh type type things. Speaking of live, love, laugh. Did you see Zinchenko? So Zinchenko's... Um, a lot of people were talking about Zinchenko's personal gym that he had sort of painted there's a big mural of him in an arsenal kit and the emirates and all this sort of stuff his personal gym which again you know when i'm talking about players and stuff being wired a bit differently having a shrine to yourself in your home it's kind of weird right do you know what i mean i don't know like 
being in the gym and sort of like motoring yourself along by looking at a picture of yourself like I, I don't know whatever um, is what it is I remember when Brendan Rodgers remember when I think who was it when he was basically when Liverpool were flying and uh, I think it was one of the newspapers they did like a let's meet the man behind the manager kind of thing with Brendan Rodgers this upcoming the guy that's probably going to bring the glory days back to Liverpool because people forget how close Liverpool came under Rodgers and it felt like you know he was kind of not as people or anything like that but he was sort of uh, Liverpool's Pochettino really before we had Pochettino that guy that brought the love back got them playing good football and sort of had them punching at a level you know above where they probably were at that time and they came so 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 close to doing it so until Gerard's slip obviously the infamous slip but I remember one of the things that stood out and this was like golden years of Twitter was uh, <laughs> all the Liverpool fans were like ah top man he is top man he is like war a boss war a gaffer and the rest of Twitter were just focusing on wait does Brendan Rodgers have a giant <laughs> a giant portrait of himself in his living room and lo and behold yeah there was this big like I think it was like a pop art style big painting of himself in his living room um, but yeah these sports people I think but then you know imagine that imagine actually being a manager of a fucking Premier League club of having to be in charge of a group of fucking millionaires of like smug entitled I mean some of them are good players some of them are good blokes don't get me wrong but you know what I mean rich people in general I'm not digging out footballers rich people in general especially people who are good at PE right that's what they are that's all that footballers are right you remember remember being at school remember the biggest fucking wankers and if you were one of them you were a fucking wanker as well I'm sorry to tell you all the people who are good at PE were fucking arseholes all the footballers are are people who were good at PE and they now have loads of fucking money to show for it as well. They're all wankers. Every single fucking one of them. Even the good blokes. Even Eric Dyer with his spot lass. Good bloke. Wanker. Total wanker. Boo him. No, don't. Don't boo him. That's all they are. People who are good at PE. Again, I have no real idea where this point was going. I really don't. This is just rambling. But we're halfway through the season now. We've got a World Cup to do. I've, do you know what? I'm very, I'm very, very conflicted about doing this World Cup. I'm thinking about doing what I have been thinking about doing. It's just like a little morning roundup after after a kind of uh, a, a day of fixtures of the World Cup. Just kind of like talking about what happened did you see that game the Saudi Arabia versus Argentina game when Saudi Arabia actually won 1-0 and that player did that cool little trick and mugged Messi off let's talk about that football eh but I'm also just like this World Cup is pretty depressing isn't it man like it's pretty grim as I was, I'm not going to start going on about that again now today well I sort of am already aren't I implicitly but we are at World Cup break we do have a break from Tottenham. The dark clouds are gathering above the Emirates. 
they are uh, they are there. My point is, I know I was rambling because of Emirates and Zinchenko. I remember it now. In terms of like Emerson Morel, he might be wired differently. All these various things, but he's still a human being. Give him a break, you know. Ultimately, don't do that. We saw what happened with Abue. I spoke to Ricky about that. Just have a look, Abue. He got targeted by Arsenal fans, similar way to what we're doing with Emerson now. And he left the fucking pitch crying. He left the pitch in tears. It was horrible. It was fucking grim. It was really horrible to see. Really, really horrible. I don't want to make things all tribal, but let's try and be a bit better than them. Because there are these dark clouds gathering above the Emirates. And I do think there is... There is a nasty, weirdly emboldened mentality with a lot of Arsenal fans right now. And yeah, there are plenty. Come on, we all know an Arsenal fan or two. There are plenty of good people in that fan base. They are obviously, at their core, an inherently rancid, horrible individual because they're an Arsenal fan. Oi, oi, football banter. But... Let's just say the zeitgeist of Arsenal at the moment, I think, personally, is a particularly unpleasant one. Um, I think the way in which they've kind of, for a large part, and I have seen a lot of Arsenal, don't get me wrong, there are a lot of Arsenal fans that are not happy with Thomas Partey's inclusion in the squads, the issues around it, the way in which the club have handled it. But I think we need to be in a place where we have to acknowledge the complexity in every situation you can't just fucking look at Arsenal fans as being like the worst type of people in the world because they continue to support the club that they've known and loved their whole life because they have a criminal playing in midfield for them a rapist no less and I don't even think I have to say alleged on that I'm pretty sure the police themselves have tweeted to the effect the difference here though lads right and it's the same with the Newcastle fans it's the same when I'm sure things will happen to Tottenham if England win this World Cup I think people that say that people that judge people for celebrating and enjoying things despite of the awful things that do happen in football are not looking at the real complexities of these matters they're not looking at what we are as human beings our relationship with our clubs our relationship with the sport what we have to do though as individuals in my opinion and this probably is me being pious but what we have to do is acknowledge these hypocrisies and point them out where we see them and continue to do so you know so the difference between this is saying I love my club as an imagined Arsenal fan I'm not going to go on record saying I love my club Arsenal as an Arsenal fan you should be saying I love my club Arsenal I've supported them my entire life I hate Thomas Partey I hate his actions. I hate Mikel Arteta standing up for him, victimising him in the tail end of our victory over Tottenham Hotspur after he scored a goal, making out like this is some kind of victory for the little guy. It isn't. It's reprehensible. His actions are horrible. He should be prosecuted. You don't need to go on Twitter and send his victim abuse sending her gifts of him saying hold that L and all that type of stuff as was pointed out was happening after their victory over Tottenham 
just got to try and be a bit better than that and it's not hard you know you don't need to be so anchored to your club that you think they'll be on reproach because at the end of the day half the people that make the decisions in your club they're not your club they're people they're business people they're sports people right the true essence of a club is and always will be the fans we are the custodians right and that's the important thing the way in which we act the way in which we behave the way in which we interact with things it is all out of our hands everything every decision that is made is out of our hands but whether it's booing whether it's standing up for fucking reprehensible individuals within our colours that's the reflection of the club the way in which we behave and act in these moments so it's always worth remembering that um, but yeah in short I feel like I do worry about Arsenal winning the league. I've, I've been called out now by Ollie Lister. I'm sure plenty of you have had run-ins of him on Twitter. And Zeus as well. Um, I think he's called me a cow. <laughs> I can't remember exactly what the term was he used um, for going on about Arsenal winning the league. But fucking City, I just want to give it to them. Manchester City want to give it to them. Um, let's flip this. Let's, let's you know what? Halfway through the season, the season's half full, season's not half empty. Let's look ahead to post-World Cup, let's look ahead to Arsenal putting up the most catastrophic bottling of all times. What, are they going into the into the break now? They five, let's have a look at the Premier League. I believe they're five points clear at the top now. Premier League... table yep five points clear at the top now Arsenal we can officially say from this point five points clear at Christmas if they do not win the league from now they have bottled it let's just hold on to that energy right think about this think about the, the silver lining of being out of the league cup as was pointed out to me by Charlie Parrish of the Hometown Glory podcast give it a listen if you haven't done so far if we had won our League Cup game Arsenal are out if we had won our game we would have had a quarter final I think quarter final second leg midweek before the North London derby in January we don't have that now we've got a nice clean run to that North London derby game for us to fucking derail their season let that be the beginning of the collapse lads let that be the beginning of it because this cannot stand we cannot in the year of 2022 have Mikel Arteta that Lego haired pin headed awful little man with his light bulbs and his fucking awful drawings of hearts and brains on whiteboards we cannot allow this man to go down in the annals of Premier League history as being some sort of visionary of being some sort of legend that managed to topple the might of Manchester City the money of Newcastle even though their project is well off the victors always write the past right this is the problem and what will be it, what it will be turned into is that they overcame 
the Saudi billions and they overcame the Qatari billions and they won it, the valiant Mikel Arteta. Because they're going to go to shit again next year. This isn't going to be a legacy thing. They're talking about building a legacy under him. They're not. This is it now. This is their moment to do it. We've got to see to it that they don't. We also need to see to it that we buy some adequate defensive cover in January and solidify our place in the top four. And, and as I've said, I've got my special feeling that Tottenham Hotspur are going to win the Champions League this season. That's what we're going to do. So let's keep that energy. Let's do this. Come on, you Spurs. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.